0: welcome Tiffany again um third time so people are going to start talking but uh <laughs> <laughs> you've always got such interesting stuff to share so uh yeah for for anyone uh well I mean anyone that listens to the podcast has probably listened to uh at least one of the conversations we've had before so uh, but you know maybe I've got like a new listener or something so do you want to just uh Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of give a brief overview of what it is that you do and why you do it etc.
1: Sure so assuming that that you are listening to to Megan's podcast and you are new and have not heard one or both of my lengthy narratives (laughs) I'm Tiffany Markman I'm a freelance copywriter 16 years in I specialize in business and corporate work so I do a lot of FinServe, FinTech, corporate services, law, commercial, et cetera, sort of writing, content, copy, script, et cetera. I've been teaching and training for 14 years, largely because two years into my freelance writing career, I was very lonely and needed company. So I decided to to get the kind of company that people would have to pay me for. So I started the training side of the business. Um, I was in publishing before that, um, but that was so long ago that it's a very, very distant memory. Um, yeah. And, uh, and that's what I do. So when we're not teaching, I write, we're not writing, I teach, and I
0: occasionally sleep. <laughs> sleep is good, uh, in small doses, I think. Um. Yeah. So uh, now, obviously, we, uh, we've kind of already chatted twice about uh, freelancing, and we've delved quite a lot into the, the subject of freelancing. And uh, quite frankly, freelancing is awesome, and everyone should do it. Um, I don't know why I waited so long to actually break into freelancing. Uh, but, you know, most people are still employed. And uh, with freelancing only to, due to take over traditional employment in the U.S., I think it was by 2027. Uh, so exactly. are there lessons from the world of freelancing that business owners and their employees can learn and apply to their situation or career? Uh, do you want to perhaps explain why having a freelancer mindset, as you call it, uh, is becoming imperative to the world of business, regardless of whether it's freelancing or traditional employment? Yeah. So
1: I, I teach freelancers and employees. Um and one of the things that I realized in 2015 was that I was when it came to mentality and mindset, I was very often teaching them both the same stuff. And so that's where this talk came from the first talk, um, the first version of this talk I gave it at a, at, a, at a global conference a couple of weeks ago, and the response was so amazing that i that I thought I would start offering it to more companies and, and more individuals. But the reason that that a freelance mentality is imperative for the world of business regardless of whether or not you have any freelance intentions is because the freelance mindset is very do or die right so you know as a freelancer yourself and I know and anyone else who's ever worked as a freelancer they'll know that we are totally and completely obsessed with what I call the client pipeline mm-hmm. in other words what comes next after this job is done yeah and we are we are quite obsessed with keeping it full and flowing right yeah um, and actually so there has been research on this and 66% of people of, of self-employed people like to have two to four jobs on the go at any given time. And 13%, which is the percent that i fit into, uh, like to have five to nine jobs on the go at any given time. And the reason that we do this and the reason we obsess about pipeline is because we don't get job security as freelancers. There's no such thing as job security. So the only thing we can work towards is income security, right?
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And income security and financial stability, are hand in hand with with a with a smoothly flowing client pipeline. Yeah. So that's the one thing, the the do or die mentality. The other thing is that when you work for a company, if you have a shitty, burnt out day or two or three, I mean, you can like phone it in if you have to. You can half ass it a bit. Yes, there are KPIs and performance reviews and team leader expectations and and all sorts of people relying on you, but you can have two or three shit days and still get paid. Yeah. With freelancers, that's not the case. There's no room for mediocrity. We get judged on our most recent work. Um, And so that's why that I believe that if you are an employee and you develop a freelance mentality, what you are doing is future-proofing yourself in some very, very real ways, which I'll talk about shortly.
0: Cool. Now... It's, uh, you know, speaking about a freelance mentality and that kind of thing, it, it might be a little scary for business owners to actually want to train their employees to think like freelancers. Because by doing this, they're essentially training their teams to think for themselves. And perhaps this kind of creates the illusion that they will then leave to start their own businesses. Um and uh, this is not necessarily the case, is it? Um, you know, you get people that have a freelance mentality, but they remain employed. Um, do you want to maybe delve into why future-proofing your employees is actually future-proofing your business? Why teaching them, uh, you know, or giving them this, uh, this mindset of a freelancer uh, is actually going to aid your business um, and, and make it a little bit more secure moving forward?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, the first thing to note is that if somebody is going to leave to start their own thing, they will anyway. Whether or not you give them future-proofing skills is not going to, they're not going to stick around and a workshop or webinar talk or whatever isn't going to make a difference. But if someone develops the skills to work as if the company they work for is their own company and to stand out in a very noisy, oversaturated marketplace where everyone is largely mediocre, that's a very different ballgame for productivity and performance. Yeah. Right? So if every employee you have treats the company as if it's their own company, because one day it may well be, then it's very short-sighted of you as a manager not to encourage people to Mm. future-proof. And that's actually why so many of my corporate clients are jumping at the opportunity to have me teach this to their people. I mean, you might think, don't be ridiculous. I'm not going to teach my people to think like freelancers. I'm paying for them to basically leave. No, actually, (laughs) you're paying for them to be self-determined and Mm. to fight to overcome mediocrity and to... Um, lead themselves and to seize opportunities. Plus, the biggest trend in global business right now is the gig economy, right? It's mm. not just me fighting for people to to think for themselves. The whole yeah. world is. Yeah. Google employs yeah. 120,000 freelancers and only 102,000 employees.
0: Google.
1: Sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So 54% of Google staff are freelance and 46% are full-time. Mm.
0: Um,
1: and so the time has really come for us to learn to stand out and to lead ourselves. Also, because many leaders, I mean, if, you, if you're employed and you're listening to this, you may or may not agree that some leaders are shit, right? So you may unluckily have a shitty manager or a shitty team leader. You can't wait for them to lead. You've got to lead yourself. Yeah. And that's a lesson from freelancing that I think it's very important for people to learn.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, Now, speaking of like shitty leaders and that kind of thing, I have got the, uh, I don't know, I suppose blessing or curse, whichever, which way you look at it, um, of having freelanced and been employed in the corporate sector. Basically, What my experience was is that uh, when it comes to shitty leaders, the bigger the company and the more people uh, the the kind of managers have to look after, the less transparency there seems to be and the less um, kind of communication there, there seems to be. There's a lot more bureaucracy and red tape and so on. It's been my experience that the larger the company, the more control the managers don't want to give over to the employees because I don't know if they feel like anarchy or whatever. But it's really not like that. And, and kind of l- running my own business now, it's kind of like transparency is not about telling people everything. It's about giving them enough context to make decisions that empower them. It, you get leaders and you get managers. Um, the two are completely different. And, uh, you know, a, a really good manager can still be a shitty, a shitty leader. <laughs>
1: yeah. That's true. And that's why leadership training is a $366 billion industry because yeah. most leaders are shit. <laughs>
0: um, is that Dunning Kruger? Uh, what's, what's that? Uh, yes, that yeah. Kruger effect. Yeah, that uh, you get um, promoted to the level of your incompetence. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Now, um, speaking of my kind of previous incarnation, one of the jobs I had early on in my career was for a very small company. There were I think there were four or five of us. Um, The owner, we actually worked from her office, uh, from her house. We were, she converted a little cottage on her property. She was there every single day. But despite that, I mean, she obviously had these kind of grand ideas of what she wanted to achieve with the business. But we were given, even though I was like only in my kind of early 20s, I was given like a crap load of freedom to do whatever I wanted in order to reach those goals that she'd set out. And I remember the one thing that she used to say to me was, you always have to be looking for opportunity. And now I'm a little ashamed to say this um, because it's only since I've been running my own thing that I've bothered to understand exactly what that means. Uh, But since applying that approach, I've done things that I never thought I would do. I've grown my business in ways I never thought I would uh, ever grow it. And, uh, you know, I've started carving a niche for myself um, and, and kind of positioning myself as an authority in a very small section of the copywriting industry. I really wish that it hadn't taken me this long to take that particular daily mantra so seriously. And I think that that's probably what a lot of employees do they you know the the manager tries to, not shitty managers that you get good managers and good leaders that try and motivate them and try and uh, help them grow etc but it's very difficult as an employee if you've got kind of job security, et cetera, to take those lessons seriously, because, you know, regardless of what you do, your salary is going to be coming at the end of the month. So how can business owners and their employees alike start creating this mindset of opportunity? Like, what does that actually mean? Uh, how do you spot opportunities and, like, how do you leverage them? Um, because, you know, they don't exactly come uh, labeled, you know. <laughs> so-
1: <laughs> You've asked me two questions in one. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give a long answer. Cool, cool. Uh, you know, sit back, listeners, and grab a hot drink because this <laughs> is going to be weird. um So first things first, I had a very similar experience to your early career. Um, it, it just reminded me when you were saying that you had a, a, a boss who let you sort of self-determine. Hmm. And I had – those who've listened to my uh, freelance podcast with you will know that I have I had sort of a seminal Experience in my first really really grown up job, which was that I was the the, the sub editor and then the editor of a small tiny little publishing house, in my early twenties, and I had a little staff, you know, um, and so th- being trusted to to do that was probably a silly thing for my boss to do, but he did it, and and he let me sort of make my own way and 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 make my own decisions and sort of run the little team, very much as I wanted to, which is not probably the smartest thing to do with a twenty three year old, but it worked. Yeah, but. At- Your story reminded me of the job I had before that, which I don't really consider a grown-up job because it was the job I had in what some people would consider their gap year, right? It was the job between matriculating and studying. And I finished matric when I was 17, so I wasn't old enough to drive. So I didn't go to varsity the next year because I didn't have a driver's license yet. So in that year of 17 turning 18, I worked and my mom drove me to work every day and drove me home. And in that job, my very, very first real job that had a salary, uh, which in those days was the princely sum of 1900 rand a month, um, (laughs) I was given a huge amount of autonomy by my boss, who was the most incredible woman. Hmm. Um, Her name was Daphne. She's passed on subsequently, but the most wonderful, talented, smart, amazing woman who gave 17, 18 year old me just complete autonomy to have ideas and be wacky and do cool stuff and fail. And those kinds of managers, even though they maybe don't intend to be are what we need. Right. But if you don't have one of those, if you don't have a Daphne, you've got to be your own leader, like freelancers are. So we come back to my topic again, (laughs) at the the surface level to make this practical, there are four things um, that you can do to be your own leader number one you have to design your own career trajectory in other words yes there's a a path a well-trodden path of where you can go in your in your role but you've got to sort of take ownership for making those moves happen you've got to have a sense of where where to next where to now what after this and even if that only happens in your mind It really helps you to have a very clear plan for the moves you would like to be taking in your career in future. Mm -hmm. It's nice to know whose job above you in the hierarchy you might like, Um, because knowing that also helps you to show off the parts of yourself that might lead you into a
0: position like that in the future yeah so that's the first thing the second thing is can I can, sorry can I um yeah. can I ask a question or must I wait until the oh, if, No. Right in. no okay. in okay, <laughs> okay cool so now designing your own career tra- tra- trajectory is that kind of it's not necessarily set in stone is it because if you're like in your early 20s well I mean even me in my cities, um I didn't really plan on leaving my job and starting a freelancing thing that was kind of a I was pushed into a corner and that's just what happened. Um, I'm one of those nerds that kind of studies all the time. So I've got fingers in lots of different pies. And so the, the, the transition was not as traumatic for me in terms of learning new skills and that kind of thing. But I mean, if you're just starting out, uh, as a, an early twenties, um, you're not necessarily going to map out your entire career until, 65 or 70 or whatever um where does no, that, that kind of flexibility come in in terms of planning your career versus uh um you know leaving enough flexibility to see where it goes you know
1: you've really got it you've really got to treat designing your career trajectory as a work in progress it's it's designing you don't do it once you do it continually mm. so you've got if, if you consider your career trajectory as a constantly moving thing then you've got to keep connecting with it and and re um realigning it right mm-hmm. so it's not a once and done it's a designing on an ongoing basis looking at where you are looking at what changes are coming you may have to i hate the word but you may have to pivot you may have to leave you may have to start something new you may have to apply for a new job whatever it is make sure that you are in charge of that and that you're not just being responsive mm-hmm. um to some plan set in place for you by someone who you know doesn't really live in your head yeah yeah You know, it's got to be a work in progress. Cool. Um, Mine has been very, very sort of straight line um, because I've been self-employed for so long. But but you've got to be able to take slight deviations. Like when I started the training side of the business, when I stopped training in person and started training online, when Mm. I decided to create a how to freelance course, when I decided to, I don't know, start writing LinkedIn profiles, whatever it is, you've got to be in charge. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't wait for somebody else to give you direction and tell you what's next. You've got to decide what's next. And if that changes, that's cool, but just be aware of it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Cool. I've finished introducing you Number two, now. Yeah. Really <laughs> number
1: two. Number two uh, plotting your own training path. So, one of the things that I've seen my students do in the corporate space is they wait to be sent on training. They wait to be told there is compulsory training. You have to go. Here's the Zoom link. Cheerio. Enjoy. Mm-hmm um that's not ideal and also not really modern like think about the world we live in now think about the last in South Africa certainly the last 16 months it is possible to teach yourself amazing shit online right yeah, yeah. so yeah. I in the last two years have done a basic coding course a watercolor painting course um an uh, equi- understanding equities course a cryptocurrency course Um, automations, funnels, and triggers. Um, I I mean, I could go on, but I want to bore the audience with my training part. But the fact (laughs) is that in addition to the official training that your company will send you on because that's what companies do, it is possible to go to your manager and say, I found this amazing course. Will the company sponsor it? If they say no, that's also fine. Then you find a cheaper version of that that you pay for yourself online, right? Mm-hmm. So the whole world is open to you. I even know someone who teaches pottery online. Now, I don't know how that is possible, but she does it. And people, <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know how you do that. You have to be the one thing I would think you cannot possibly teach online, but you can.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: So, I mean, I'll give you another example. A couple of years ago, I was asked to write radio commercials for a radio station and I completely faked it and said I could I had never really done it before (laughs) I was 34 and I was approached and told we really want you we hear you good we really want you to write radio commercials how experienced are you and I was like yeah yeah fine yeah you know I had never written a commercial radio script like a script for a commercial station Mm -hmm. ever in my whole life Um, and the the woman who was interviewing me over the phone uh, used the word cans uh, she said, hang on, let me just put on my cans. And I didn't know what that was. And actually, I now know that cans are headphones. <laughs> you work radio, um, But so what I did was I read every single thing I could find on the internet. And then I bought myself a Udemy course called Advanced Radio Copywriting. It cost 169 Rand, which was on sale. And I, I went through it twice. And I promise you, I walked into that company experienced but i knew what i had to know like 169 rands worth of training that i did over about five weeks yeah um you really can plot your own training path yeah. now you couldn't before because training was expensive and inaccessible so you'd have to motivate your manager and blah blah but now even if they say no study something that makes you better
0: mm. you know? no you really i agree I, and you know what a lot of Uh, Well, maybe they do understand it or maybe they don't. But what what I found when I was working corporate, a lot of the employees, a lot of my colleagues didn't understand that companies sending you on training was just a tick box that they had to check. You know, um, they have uh, certain uh, skills development targets that they have to achieve in terms of government legislation and all that kind of thing. And so they'll just send you on courses um, that they select, obviously, uh, to, to, tick, to check those boxes. Um, but it's so important, the, the continued learning. And, and uh, if I can jump in with a quick story of my own, it's um, all of my career changes have come off the back of something that I've studied. Because I've kind of like, you know, you do a job and you get bored and you stagnate you study something and suddenly you're in a new job or a new position or whatever. So it's just, it's so important to just keep upskilling. And uh, yeah, I mean, I've just recently uh, completed uh, some uh, UX and UI and information architecture stuff also on Udemy. The Udemy stuff is amazing. If you get like a decent course, Um, the stuff is literally always on sale. Um, you know, I know that they've got that countdown timer, like the sale ends in like two days or whatever. But, you know, if you click on two days later, it's all, all those courses are like 180 Rand. It's like, um, you know, there's there's really no excuse for you to not be training because it, it creates this unique set of skills that you have that no one else has got because no one else is going to study copywriting and some random user experience stuff you you know uh and and beer making you know that's my usp you know um so yeah uh, it's 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 so important to just carry on studying um but
1: another thing like you've just mentioned beer making right which i'll I'll use as an analogy just Mm. now but my thing my private personal thing that i don't that has nothing to do with my income is um, the equity market. I'm completely fascinated with buying stocks and shares. Yeah. right? And that started for me in 2019 um, with a, with a course and then multiple courses since then. Now I never intended to go into writing for wealth managers or investment houses or institutional funds or anything like that. Cause that's not my area really, but because I've been studying equities and stocks and shares so much, I can write about equities and stocks and shares yeah. for wealth managers and, and, and I can write about NFTs and I can write about crypto. And so that's a that's a quite an unusual thing for a copywriter mm. um, to be able to write about and to be able to understand without the client having to do too much explaining. So it can happen that your personal stuff that you study and love um uh, makes you better at your actual job.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or even
1: become part of your actual job. Yeah. Um so that's a very, very real thing. But I'm gonna use beer making as an analogy. <laughs>
0: now i thought about this. Yes. Not, uh, okay. I, I, I wait. So yes. Go. That was
1: tool number two. So tool number one just to, to rehash was designing your own career trajectory and deciding where to from here and doing that on an ongoing basis. Mm-hmm. Number two was plotting your own training path. So what are you going to study? Uh, short courses being just the best thing ever. Mm-hmm. Number three, having hard conversations. This is something that really will – that sets freelancers apart, the ability to have hard conversations, to negotiate, to handle tough clients, to, to manage – Awkwardness and misunderstanding. And if you can do that as as an employee, then you really do uh, infuse your your position of strength with a hell of a lot more gravity and authority. So if you are able to handle conflict, to be diplomatic, to be tactful, to take stuff on the chin and, and manage it, and to ask for things and to say no and to push back gently and politely, but to push back where necessary, then you really do become a better leader of yourself. Okay, you really do self-determine. And then the fourth tip is the one that I'm possibly the most well-known for because I bring it into every single course I ever run, ever, ever, is self-promote even if you hate it. So even if you are shy and even if you are an introvert and even if you are not a shameless self-promoter like me, (laughs) you need to be a little bit better at tooting your own horn because no one else is going to toot your horn. Yeah, yeah. Um, when you're a freelancer you have to do it but when you're employed if you get into the habit of doing it not always not being revolting but like 20 percent of the time be aware that you are your own best cheerleader Mm. then it really you really do stand out now the problem with all of this advice is the timing we are all tired we are all burnt out we are very stressed we are anxious we are homeschooling we're worrying about our governments we're trying to keep our jobs it's flipping hard to lean in like we are overwhelmed South Africans, freelancers, employees, people in other countries, wherever you might be in the world, this is not the best time for Tiffany Markman to come marching in and say, hustle. Yeah. Okay. Hustle is not good advice when you are this tired. Mm. So I'm not saying, I'm not Gary Vee, and I'm not saying like, smash it with a baseball bat because that's exhausting. Yeah. I'm saying, <laughs> take things up one notch. Be inspired to be future-proof. You don't have to like, you know, like you don't have to be the energizer bunny, but mm. just be aware of where you might be sliding into mediocrity and be inspired to future future for yourself a little bit. So choose one of the four things, career trajectory, training path, hard conversations or self-promotion. Pick one and start there. You don't have to do everything, mm. but pick one that will help you to stand out from those who aren't doing it because they are also tired and burnt out and stressed and mm. Um,
0: I know that we still kind of come, like, circle back to kind of spotting opportunity, but this actually is a great uh, example because we're all burnt out, we're all tired, we're all cut full, for lack of a better word. I mean, I don't know how to even translate that into international speak, like we just are... We're done. You know, we can't we're even... Up to the neck in bullshit yes. is a good way. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, because we're all in that same space, if you do just something extra to elevate yourself, you're going to be standing above the rest of the crowd. So that is one of those opportunities. Like, if you just have push through your exhaustion right now you're going to elevate yourself and so when when that kind of upswing comes again you're already two steps ahead of everybody else so um yeah that, yeah. that would be my kind of uh or, or that would be a great example as uh, in terms of how to spot an opportunity
1: of course i have a technique for this
0: of course yes, of course do of I course <laughs> yes <tell me>. <laughs> <laughs> okay so
1: here's what you do Tired person who's listening here's what you do you need Grab a piece of paper, like now, and a pencil. Um, and then you're going to have to listen to this a couple of times. So I'm going I'm to go slowly, but you can replay it. You need to ask yourself, what is my niche? Okay, What can I give that no one else can in my, my role, my team, my department, whatever it might be? What is my unique deliverable? How do you tell what your unique deliverable is? Stop and think about what it is that people constantly ask you for help with. Okay, not the stuff you're competent at, not the stuff you're excellent at and not the stuff you resent helping with, but the stuff that you are constantly asked to do, that you are genius at, that energizes you. So if you take a piece of paper and you split it into four quadrants, top left hand corner, you say stuff I'm asked to do that I don't like, but I do well. Top right hand corner, you write stuff I'm asked to do that I do like and do well. Stuff I'm asked to do that I do badly, bottom left, and bottom right, stuff I'm asked to do that I love doing and I'm genius at. Mm. And if you fill in this quadrant over time, you'll see some overlaps. I've done this exercise myself, and and it wasn't what I thought it was. So weird. (laughs) Um, So I would have thought mine was writing and editing, which actually is my zone of excellence. It's not my zone of genius. My zone of genius is teaching freelancing to freelancers. That's mm. what energizes me. It's what I love so much. I would do it for nothing. Like I wouldn't mm. write or edit for free. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but I would <work laughs> teach freelancing for free. Yeah. I do teach freelancing for free. Mm. So you, you basically look for your niche, the, the stuff that people are constantly asking you for advice on. And then once you're aware of what, what I call the zone of genius, which I stole from Lauren Dallas, you can, once you know what it is, you can be more deliberate about using it consciously in your conversations at work. Mm. So let's do beer making. You love doing it. It jazzes you. People are always asking you about beer. You're a beer person, yes? Yeah, yeah. And especially now with no alcohol in South Africa, you're probably getting asked about beer stuff quite often. Yes. Not talking (laughs) about that on, on the record, but I'm just saying. So if you take beer making as your thing, you look at the ways in which that zone of genius can tie into day-to-day work opportunities. So I don't know anything about making beer. I've tasted your beer and it's delish, but I don't know anything about making it, right? So I'm going to make some assumptions now which you can factually correct if you want to. Cool. Being a freelance copywriter and and, and messaging creator, which is your job, job, right? And podcaster on the left-hand side. And then being a beer maker... On the right-hand side. Mm. Beer making, I imagine, requires attention to detail because you've got to get the ratios right. Mm -hmm. Yes? So does your actual job. Mm. Beer making requires time sensitivity because you can't, otherwise it will over whatever, curdle, I don't know.
0: Ferment, (laughs) (laughs) ferment. so does your other job, right?
1: Beer making requires calmness under pressure because otherwise you'll stuff it up. Mm. So Mm. does your other job beer making requires organizational skills a sense of style um i'm I'm just going off the cuff but there are a whole lot of things that beer making requires that make you better and more niched in your
0: real work yeah
1: and so basically once you are once you know whatever your your zone of genius is you can call it out and you can leverage it when day-to-day opportunities arise so You may not know when the opportunities are coming, but if you are able to call out your zone of genius and your niche openly and in your conversations and in your messaging, then you get better at spotting opportunities and so do other people.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And that's how you leverage the opportunities when they come. Yeah. So that's my technique. You identify your zone of genius
0: and then you use it consciously. That's very interesting because – Years ago, uh, somebody told me that your CV should actually be set out like that. You know, don't list the kind of day to day things that you do. So don't list, I sit in front of my computer and I write social media captions and blogs. You know, um, say you're good at researching, you understand analytics because all of those things fit in, but those skills are transferable to another career or a uh whatever you know um whereas you know if you just say well i'm a blogger you know Someone in the accounting industry is not necessarily going to employ you because why would they want a blogger? But they do need someone that's analytical and good at research. So yeah, it's interesting, um, you know, in terms of spotting the the opportunity. But that same advice someone gave to me, like I say, years ago, in terms of setting out a CV, um, you know, pull pull the skills and the value of the skill rather than the actual physical task. thing. Yeah,
1: and if you are listening to this and you are sort of thinking about job hunting or, or change, wanting to be headhunted, perhaps, then what you do when you've written out your zone of genius or your niche is you make that your personal profile under your name at the top of your CV. And you also use it in your about summary on LinkedIn.
0: Mm.
1: That's where I would put those two things if you are gonna take the time to, to give them words.
0: Yeah. Um. If I could just maybe jump in there in terms of linkedin don't make it cryptic though because i can't tell you how many people i see on linkedin and it's like uh creative uh, well flipped. i can't even think of one off the top oh, of my head creative
1: you- engineer um ideas guru ignite passion igniter no tell people yes. your actual thing like so my I, my thing used to be i help freelancers to make more money via self-promotion or whatever. But Mm -hmm. a lot of people like to have keywords in their headline, which I think works very well for SEO. So if you are looking to be headhunted or recruited, which I'm not, but if you are, put um, keywords in in your headline. So like research, analytics, SEO, UX, um, performance,
0: productivity, Mm -hmm. whatever. Yeah.
1: And then people looking for those things will find you both on linkedin and on google because Mm -hmm. linkedin is very nicely optimized for seo
0: yeah awesome cool now is this alone uh in terms of being able to spot opportunity and having that kind of freelancer positive okay positive is not the right word but growth mindset freelancer slash growth mindset is that alone what helps us break us and our business uh, out of mediocrity or are there other things that we need to consider as well
1: well not nothing on its own is ever enough to break out of mediocrity i mean there's no one silver bullet that's going to make you outstanding mm. um, and the, the, the fact is that we whether we like it or not there is a race to mediocrity at the moment and that's why all company values sound exactly the same Mm. passion, teamwork, excellence, integrity, customer centricity, quality, that will sound exactly the same. It's completely blah. Everyone says the same shit. Mm. The bottom line is that you might be one of 10 in your team and your team might be one of 10 in your department, which might be one of 10 in the company, which might be one of 10 in the group, which might be one of 10 in the world that does pretty much exactly what you do.
0: Mm.
1: And the only way to fight mediocrity is to take true ownership of your piece of, of the one.
0: Mm.
1: Um, it's not enough to bring your A game. You actually have to live in your A game, right? So there's no one magic thing. It's you've got, to, you've got to constantly show up amazingly. You've got to take things up a notch once because you're tired, so you only do one at a time now. But then number two, and then number three, and then number four. You've got to be constantly evolving if you want to be future-proof. Because remember, the future is not a destination. It's changing ex- Energy yeah. every day <laughs> So what is future-proofing you now is not going to future-proof you in two years time
0: yeah
1: um so I would treat it as sort of an 18 month 18 to 24 month process now and I would reassess it because you know the future moves mm. um so yeah there's no it's not this alone it's never going to be this alone but this will help especially when you are one of the few who are doing it you mm. know then, mm. then you become more
0: remarkable for just yeah. the just the, the constant drive to evolve. Yeah. Uh, and obviously you doing this as a webinar now. So if people want to jump on, you mentioned to me the other day that you were just doing it to corporate clients, but you were looking at kind of extending it out to general public. Yeah. Are you still looking at doing that?
1: Yeah. So this uh, this this whole webinar was the result of a revelation I had in 2015 when I realized that I was teaching free- freelancers and employees the same thing, the same stuff when it came to mentality. And then I was asked to speak at the international conference of the the IBC, which is the International Association of Business Communicators. I spoke there um, at the end of June Mm -hmm. to 660 people from around the world. And I realized that my clients need this, (laughs) their people need it. And people are so tired, like they need something. They need something they can use. Mm. It's not rocket science, none of this, but it's incredibly valuable to hear it from a third party. So, I am at the moment, I'm um, running it for my clients and for other corporates. So I'm, mm. I'm teaching it to teams of, of eight to 20 at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm also going to in due course, do a version for self-employed people and entrepreneurs mm-hmm. because they already have it. They just don't know how to actualize it or how to make it bigger or how to intensify it. So there's going to be a self-employed version as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I very will, I very likely will do a, an open program in a, other words one that anyone can join so you don't have to get your company to bring me in yeah and the best way to find out about that is always to sign up for my newsletter so I will I will give Megan the links and she can pop those in the show notes and then if you want to find out about these things when they happen that's the best way to do that
0: cool and I can speak from experience uh, Tiffany does not spam you in fact your, nope. your mailers are very uh, kind of ad hoc and sporadic like like I do yeah. one a month um, just because if I don't have a diarise it will never get done but you tend to kind of uh, you'll maybe send two a week apart and then we don't hear from you for like a couple of months and then you're yeah I don't on, I don't
1: so. newsletter unless I have something worthwhile to say like mm. I'm not interested in talking to you weekly I don't have something to say weekly yeah. I have something to say when I have something to say, and that's when you'll hear from me. Yeah. Um, but I have two newsletters, so people can choose which one they want to join. There's the, the Tiffany Markman writing and training one, which is stuff on words and writing. Um, and that's the one most of my clients are on. Mm. And then there's the freelancing one, which is rockstar freelancing. And that's the one on tips for um, entrepreneurs and the self-employed. So people can choose what their vibe is. And again, yeah. neither of those is regular. So you'll hear from me when
0: there's, when there's something going on. Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, I belong to the Rockstar freelancing one and uh, every single newsletter that you send out is valuable, uh, you know, and it gives you actionable stuff that you can apply to your your situation immediately. So I highly recommend that one. Um, Thank you. Specifically, <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> Just important to keep in mind that Little things, what the motivational community calls micro wins, which is such a cheesy name, but it's so cute, yeah. make a huge difference. Mm. They really, mm. really do. Um, I'll give you an example. So I and and many freelancers, Megan, I'm sure you've had this as well, mm. battle to say no to work. Yes. Because the pipeline <laughs> the pipeline. So yep. what I've started doing now is I I put all of a day's jobs onto a post-it note. One post-it note like a like a smallish one mm. and um if it can't if i can't fit any more in there then my day is full i can't take on any anything else for that day
0: how big do you write because i can write
1: like really really small, yeah, really small. <laughs> but I, but the, the trick is not to screw yourself over right so you can <laughs> yeah. write normal size like readable <laughs> not like cram not like study notes for varsity yeah like yeah. normal readable writing <laughs> um and so once that sticky note is full then then I'm sorry, no, it's not getting done today. Yeah. And this is, I mean, this is only me setting goals for myself. No one else sees this. I don't tell my clients about the sticky note. Mm. But micro wins like that, make sure that you don't overcommit or underdeliver or you know, that's the sort of little thing that really, really helps. Mm. Um, and another little tip is I keep sticky notes in the back of my diary, like I have a I've mentioned this on your podcast before, and I'm conscious people can't see it, but you can yeah. put a picture. I have sticky notes in my diary oh, cool. with, <laughs> with my main goals for the next six months on there. Mm. So it's it's got my it's got a, a race day. There's a race day coming up for for a running thing. Um, there's stuff that I do with my daughter there. There's my studying. I'm currently doing a course, so there's that. There's I'm launching a new program, so that's there. I do watercolors, so there's painting stuff there, there's stuff in the house, there's investing stuff, there's saving personal like savings and stuff. And then when whenever I'm like I lose track of of where I'm going in my life, I just go to the back of my diary and I can see what my priorities are for the next six months. Everything else must wait. Yeah. If it's not one of these things, then there are 10 of them, if it's not one of these 10, it's not a priority for me for the next six months. It has to wait.
0: Yeah, And this yeah. is also
1: how you stop yourself going down rabbit holes with bright, shiny objects. Because I'm a big like, oh my God, that's such a cool idea. Let me write a course on that. But I haven't launched the two courses I wrote. You know,
0: oh, geez, the struggle is real. Um, I've got this I'm thing doing. that I'm doing with the creativity at the moment. And uh, I've done the, the intro course and I've done the first webinar and I'm kind of running them uh you know, one this month and the next one this month, and I've got half courses for the rest of the um, the lessons kind of planned out. Um, and uh, someone mentioned to me the other day um, something about marketing. I'm like, "Flip, that's a good idea." I'm going to write this down, and now I want to write like a um, like a white paper on that. Um, but it's kind of now, you know, I, I'm a great starter, really bad finisher, so. <laughs> Like, I want to teach a
1: workshop on money. Like, I want to teach a workshop on all the money stuff I've learned in the last two and a half years. Yeah. Like, for women, for women of our age, like emergency funds and whether you need an RA and um, um, tax free investment accounts and stocks and shares. Like, I want, like, I want to, but when? I'm <laughs> busy with this
0: from last year, you yeah. know? <laughs> oh. Yeah. Um, I've got a book called Don't Read This Book uh time management for creative people um i'll send Boy. you the um it basically it's how to create a don't do list <laughs> oh um, yeah so my
1: mother-in-law does that with dessert so yeah. she when we when in the old days when we used to go to restaurants remember those she she, we always used to we always eat too much we're a big eating family, so we always eat too much and then we don't have space for dessert right so what my mother-in-law taught me 14 years ago is you look at the dessert menu and you say, I'm not having, and then you pick your favorite thing and you don't have it, but you everyone tells you what, what they're not going to have. It's
0: the same oh, thing. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Well, I mean- And then you only... get the
1: joy of choosing the thing, but you don't actually have to eat it because you don't have any space. And if you do eat it, you will vomit.
0: Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, I, you know, I was chatting to someone the other day and they, she was she's kind of an expert in productivity. And she was saying that, uh, you know, Whoever you are, you've got the same amount of hours in the day as Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos or, you know, all these. Well, entire... those Oaks
1: wake up at 5 a.m. I'm sorry. They're not normal. <laughs> and, also, and also, no, I have to disagree. Also, Jeff Bezos does not have to do his own laundry and does not barely has to wipe his own ass. Uh, and Elon Musk is not really human. Like, he's a robot person. <laughs> like, I don't have the same number of hours in the day as Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos because I have to do all my own admin and mm. and I can put my own socks on my feet and make sure the windows are closed when it's like I have shit to do in my day that they will never have to do.
0: Yeah no I agree. The same number of hours. And Nonsense. Well, like I said um, my, my office is currently sitting at eight degrees so I'm sure that's Elon Musk is not sitting in an office that's eight degrees Celsius and having to, you know, oh. come up with creative and my fingers hardly work in this temperature. So oh. yeah. Oh, um,
1: I'm sure no one's gonna walk into Elon Musk's office while he's halfway through writing something and ask him what's for supper. That is not gonna happen. <laughs> he doesn't have to answer the door. Do you know how much time I spend answering the door? <laughs> he doesn't have to answer the door, he doesn't have to accept deliveries from the chemist, he doesn't have to put petrol in his own car I mean really these people are not a good example
0: (laughs) I'm glad you shut that down (laughs) that is bullshit I do not have the same number of
1: hours in a day as any of those people in fact if you sent Jeff Bezos here for one day and made him do all the shit that I do he would be fucking poor
0: so fuck on that productivity (laughs)
1: Megan, um, this better be in your podcast. I'm
0: just i No, I'm, it's all being left in. Um, <laughs> uh, I did a podcast. Uh, I recorded one last week, which I still have to edit. Um, and the lady let slip that sometimes she she cracks open a gin and tonic at nine o'clock on a Saturday morning. I'm like, it's going in. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's from me.
1: My God, I've never done it, but I would.
0: Yeah. Oh, uh, sometimes, I mean, it's a Saturday. Like I said to her, I can't. Yeah. I can't. With good conscience, sits and like have a beer at like ten o'clock on a Wednesday morning. But like ten o'clock on a Saturday, who fucking cares? No. Like Eleven <laughs>
1: anyway. thirty in the morning GMT. Come on, no. lovely. <laughs> I say that, but having having had COVID, I've lost my taste for alcohol.
0: Um, I believe. Uh, no, I, I've got another client who um, has just started recently learning reiki and she said since she started that she also can't drink anymore so no, i've lost yeah. i've lost my list for it it's gone mm. totally mm. totally gone and my sweet
1: tooth also which i suppose is for the best yeah um
0: how are you feeling you you're kind of on the Oof, right track I'm on again. Day
1: 47 today.
0: jeez okay and i'm
1: not a hundred percent yet flip um but you I'm had the, the
0: delta one hey the delta variant I did the bastard one. I, did oh, the bastard one. Oh. I um, had my, my VAC yesterday. Um, Yay! My, my first dose. Um, six six hours I waited in the queue.
1: Worth it. It's better than death.
0: Yes, for, for sure.
1: Please so, ask me my quickfire question, the second one.
0: Yes. Okay. Um, all right. So quickfire round to end off. Um, you know the you know the draw. So first Do ask question. me the second question first. Ask me the second. Okay, question. okay, okay, okay. Cool. I've stolen this one from Tim Ferriss because you've, this is your third time. If you come on a fourth time, I have no idea what I'm going to ask you. I'm going to have to troll the internet. Um, but so I've stolen this this question from Tim ferris If you had the opportunity to hire a giant billboard that over the course of a year the entire world would drive past and see, what message would you print on the billboard? Get
1: vaccinated.
0: (laughs) For sure. Even if it takes you six hours in the bloody queue. Yeah, six hours.
1: Please, better than death. Mm. Yeah, so that's my board. I had to get that in there. I had to (laughs) shoehorn that in (laughs) there.
0: Cool. Uh, Final question. What app have you used lately that is worth recommending? So...
1: Normally, when I'm asked this question, I recommend free apps. But in this case, I'm going to recommend a paid app Mm -hmm. because I and I'm sure many of those listening have battled with the fake versus real news conundrum Mm. and panic online and all sorts of like weird doom scrolling stuff. And so the app that I recommend is Apple News Plus, which comes with uh, the family sharing option on Apple. If you have family sharing on your Apple, on your iCloud, then it comes with it for free. But if not, it's worth paying for. And I'll tell you why. Because it gives you balance when it comes to the news that you consume. Mm. So just the things that I'm reading at the moment are Washington Post, CNN, Times of London, Al Jazeera, Reuters, Wall Street Journal, and some stunning trash magazines from America. Us Weekly people, um, you know, trash. Yeah. So it gives... It gives balance. If you try and get your news from like Twitter, you are going to just be a puddle of anxiety. Mm. But if you get it from a very very solid list of very diverse sources, then you tend not to panic quite as much. It brings a huge amount of perspective to Mm. your news. So that's the one thing that I've started doing in the last probably six weeks, six to eight weeks, Apple News+. Plus. Um, And it's really changed how I feel about knowing what's going on in the world.
0: That's awesome. Is there an Android version or is it only Apple Store? I don't
1: know. (laughs) Don't ask me about Android things.
0: Sorry. I imagine
1: you can probably subscribe to Apple News Plus on, you know, I'm sure there's a web, a desktop version, like a web browser version. Cool. I doubt very much it's only mobile. Yeah. But Um, don't ask me Android things. Yeah,
0: I think especially uh, if you are in South Africa and have lived through the last kind of two weeks that um, I actually I stayed off of social media. I told my partner, you don't go on Facebook because it's all that kind of sensationalist. um, But then
1: they get you in WhatsApp, those bastards? Uh,
0: I I, I actually uh, not blocked, but I muted a lot of my WhatsApp groups. Um, I actually couldn't. For a week. Yeah, yeah, um I, I couldn't do it because I, I did have one really bad day last last week where I was like, oh where are we going? It's the first time I've ever considered immigration. Um, Me too. and yeah, um it's amazing how blocking that stuff out uh and mm-hmm. focusing on what matters um kind of gets yeah, your, I your know head I feel right. Better mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome. Uh, so where can people get hold of you, your social media, website, etc.
1: So people can always reach me via my website, which is tiffanymarkman.co.za and my email address tiffany at but I'm also on LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Medium and if you want to hear a lot of whining, Instagram. <laughs> Medium's new. Medium's not new for me. I just I don't usually talk about it, but I post long articles there. So it's not like, I've done an analysis of how Donald Trump uses language that's up there, and I've spoken about only children, and I've spoken about wokeness and humble brags, and it's the more research-based sort okay. of feature article stuff, yeah. Awesome. So that's on Medium.
0: Yeah, Cool. I'll check um, that out. But all I... of
1: those, if you just search for Tiffany Markman, you'll find me on LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Medium, and Instagram. Instagram. There's not a lot of work stuff on Instagram. It's a lot of art and flowers mm. and swearing, lots and lots of swearing. <laughs> so, if you need stuff that is safe for work, I am not for you. Cool.
0: Um, I liked your video on Instagram uh, where you did the correct apostrophe usage in for fuck's sake. <laughs> correct. <laughs>
1: correct. Um, I was just thinking actually that I should do another one on why I don't have the same number of hours in the day as Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk. Mm. I think that'll be my next one
0: yeah that would make a good reel or facebook uh insta tv or whatever it's called i've never done a reel in my life um but you know never yeah. too late to try well if you find those extra hours in the day that you know elon musk and jeff bezos have then maybe you you'll find the time well, to do I, a reel. I, if i
1: outsource <laughs> all my shit jobs to like my shitty work like I don't know, putting my socks on to, uh, to uh, an army of hot and cold running butlers. Perhaps then a will have time to make an Instagram reel. Who
0: knows? Awesome. This has been great, Tiffany. Thank you so much again for taking the time. Um, I'm sure that we will inevitably be doing this again in the future when you have uh, yeah. made, your, made a new course or have a new webinar or you should whatever. just, you should, or just, just make me
1: like, you should make me your annual mascot. I you know, should, yeah. Like once a year, you should just get me on, just to, like, talk shit and tell people stuff. And, like, <laughs> I should be your – I should be the on-the-mic, on the like, mascot. <laughs> do
0: you know I'll what we should do? Shirt. Do you know what we should do? We should do a, a special, like, a end-of-year episode um, where we break down the, the previous year, like, the highs and lows mm-hmm. and – randomness oh, there'll be a lot of
1: swearing, <laughs> get, get into the swearing. Into the swearing. and if you do that 11 30 in the morning i will have a gnt
0: cool we will have I'll to record on a saturday then <laughs> no, i'll take the day off okay it. <laughs> <laughs> awesome thanks stephanie i appreciate you taking the time cool. again and as always it's been great to great to chat and yeah um me. we'll we'll do this again awesome cool Follow the Business of Podcast on my website megamillist.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to the YouTube channel at Megamillist. Connect with me on LinkedIn, Megan Darcy, M-E-G-A-N-D-apostrophe-A-R-C-Y. Chat soon.